Hello and welcome back to the Lifting Club podcast. I'm Jazz and I'll be bringing you fitness education with practical application. Now, when I'm reviewing training clips for my online coaching clients, I'm not just looking at their technique, although that is a big part of what we do, but I'm also looking at their intensity. It's a really good chance for me to see how their training looks, how they're moving, but also judge how much they're pushing themselves and if they're training with enough intensity. Lifting is a skill and the exercises take time and practice to develop and to get good at. But another part of that skill is being able to judge your intensity or your RPE. When we're talking about intensity, we're we're referring to the proximity or closeness to technical muscular failure. So that is the point at which we can physically no longer perform any more reps whilst maintaining our technique, i.e. the muscle physically cannot contract anymore. I thought it would be a good idea to start this episode by explaining how intensity is prescribed, so how the intensity of a set is measured or kind of prescribed by someone writing a programme. To describe how hard a set is, we can give it RPE, which stands for Rate of Perceived Exertion. This is a 1 to 10 numerical scale that was originally developed to prescribe endurance training intensity, but has been translated over to resistance training. So an RPE of 1 is the easiest end of the scale, with kind of 1 to 4 being very light to light effort. And then at the other end of the scale, an RPE 10 is the hardest maximum effort. A little later on, kind of in the early 2000s, this scale was modified by a powerlifter called Mike Tushir, um, who wanted to make that scale a bit more applicable and kind of tangible to lifting. So he created the RIR or reps in reserve scale. So this is also a 1 to 10 scale, but it works in the opposite direction to RPE. So RIR is all about proximity to muscular failure with the number representing how many more reps you had left in the tank at the end of the set before you would have failed. So if a set is one RIR, at the end of the set, you would have just had one rep left in the tank. And after that rep, you would have failed, i.e. you physically wouldn't have been able to complete the rep. Zero RIR would mean that you would have failed the next rep. So zero reps in reserve means that when you finish a set, if you had gone for another rep, you would have failed it. The muscle wouldn't have been able to contract anymore and you wouldn't have been able to physically complete the rep. Now, I use RIR to prescribe the intensity of sets when programming. So I prefer to use RIR. I think it was, you know, created for a reason. It's more applicable to lifting. And it's also kind of more tangible for people. Like if you you know, okay, two RIR, that means I've got two reps left in the tank. It's quite self-explanatory and it makes a bit more sense than kind of RPE, which is a bit harder to kind of grasp for people. I usually write it as 0 to 1 or 1 to 2 RIR. So those would be a 0 to 1 RIR set would be a set with... When you finished, you had zero or maybe one rep left in the tank. And then a set prescribed with RIR 1 to 2 would be you'd finish the set and you could have done one more rep, possibly two. Now, this is all well and good, but something we have to consider is that does the person doing the set actually know what failing a rep is like? Do they actually know how hard a set at one RIR should feel? Now, for many people, the answer to that is no, especially if you're a bit newer to training or, you know, you've just been training for a few years or maybe you're kind of lacking confidence. 
you won't have kind of a fully formed concept of what muscular failure is or be able to physically but also mentally push to that point a lot of people might think it this failure is kind of when it starts hurting a lot or when mentally they can't do it anymore but we're talking about actual muscular failure like the muscle cannot perform that contraction anymore and therefore for some people when they think they're at one rir they might actually be more at around six or seven rir if someone you know was there really pushing them and with a gun to their head saying get those extra reps but you know that can be an argument that people use against rir and obviously it makes sense but personally i don't think it makes the use of rir totally void as a coach for my clients with lots of experience who i've seen training hard and have a better perception of intensity i can use a more kind of true rir prescription whereas for someone who's more of a beginner i might prescribe not one rir more often actually asking them to go right up to the point where they'd fail the next rep with the knowledge that they're probably not quite getting there and they've actually probably got more reps in the tank than they think so it's about you know using a bit of kind of um adaptability and applying it to different people and how yes it is this defined scale with these exact kind of labels like one rep left but you know what someone might judge as one rep left if they're fairly new to training is quite different but as a coach you can adapt to that and you can you can use that knowledge to adjust their kind of personal rir i guess as i said at the beginning part of the skill of lifting is physically and mentally being able to push yourself close to failure as i said it's not the point where you mentally fail or it's hurting a lot it is the point where the muscle physically can no longer contract anymore you know resistance training is all about muscles contracting and relaxing so they contract and shorten or they lengthen and relax and those movements create different joint actions the concentric part of a lift often you know like the lifting part of an exercise occurs when we contract the fibers of a muscle and it becomes shorter when the muscle is fresh and fatigue is low, that contraction can happen at high force and high speed. But as the muscle becomes more fatigued throughout a set, the ability for that muscle to contract with such force is reduced. So whilst our aim is always to perform the concentric part of the lift with as much explosiveness as possible, we always want to be trying to contract those muscles as fast and as hard as we can. When we're close to muscular failure, the speed of that concentric inevitably will slow down. That is why rep speed is a good indicator of how close someone is working to failure. So let's give some examples. If you're doing a seated dumbbell shoulder press, you may be able to push the dumbbells overhead with you know relative comfort and a decent speed in the first few reps but as you get to you know the second half of the set it should feel like a real struggle to get them from your shoulders to straighten the arms it may feel like they even slow right down at that kind of midpoint if you're training close to failure that final rep should be a slow grind it could be easy to mentally give up but you keep pushing those dumbbells overhead so we'd see those reps going from you know a relatively decent speed of pressing overhead to those final reps it should take it might take two three four seconds to get those dumbbells up that would suggest we're working close to failure a leg press another example for the first half of the set again the weight feels heavy but you know relatively you can push that sled up as you go through the set things should begin to get harder until near the end of the set if you're working close to failure getting out of that bottom position is really tough and straightening the legs again it might be slower it may take three to four seconds mentally it's challenging 
So rep speed is a good measure of that proximity to failure. Another good technique to implement when kind of judging your intensity is just a bit of kind of self-awareness and presence within your training. So at at the end of your set, really ask yourself how hard that was. Again, if someone was there with a gun to your head, how many more reps might you have been able to physically do? Are you a bit out of breath? Is there a feeling of fatigue in the muscle? Do you feel like you need a good few minutes of rest at least to be able to recover physically, mentally, cardiovascularly, to be able to put put forth that same effort again? Having a bit of kind of judgment of that, and quite often if you ask yourself that, you might realise that, oh, actually, I could have kept going a bit there. I could have had a few more reps. You might realise that, actually, I had about five more reps there. Maybe, actually, I need to increase the weight so that I'm in my target rep range, for example. Now, current research suggests that training between around one to three reps in reserve is most appropriate for hypertrophy or muscle growth. That being said, as I mentioned before, not everyone can gauge what a true one to three reps in reserve actually feels like. Like one one rep in reserve, two reps in reserve, three reps in reserve, they're still really hard, intense sets because we're talking about those few reps. After that, the muscle would no longer be able to perform that action anymore physically. But how can we know what that is, what that muscular failure point is, if we've never been all the way before it's like if you were walking somewhere using a map or something and the leader says oh we're five minutes away and you say okay you know so you've been there before and they're like no but it just kind of feels about five minutes away and you'd be like oh okay well you don't actually know but you're just kind of judging you're kind of guessing that it's about five minutes away from from looking on the map and kind of from this outside perspective actually you trust them a lot more if they had been there and they recognize this point and they could be like yep I've done this before this is five minutes away and so the exact same principle applies with being able to judge reps in reserve for that reason it's important that we're sometimes working to actual failure so that we're able to judge if we're working at a high enough intensity the rest of the time some movements are going to be more appropriate for going all the way to kind of actual muscular failure meaning you you physically failing a rep i.e you go for the rep and you don't complete it that is what failing is that is what failure is and some are more appropriate doing that than others what we're looking for is kind of movements that are safe and stable for example if you fail a rep on a shoulder press you would have tried to press it probably got halfway struggled for a while in that middle point and then just brought it back down that's failing a rep safe nothing bad happens same on a leg press for example you know you may push it, be able to push it up a bit, get stuck in that middle point, be really grinding and trying to push, but then have to lower it back down to the safeties. No issues, you know, we're not loading the spine or anything, safe, but you've found that kind of failure point, you've really pushed yourself there. And there's plenty of other movements that are like that, where failing a rep is quite normal and safe, you know, hack squats, hip thrusts, pull downs, chin ups, rows, lateral raises, Some movements are less appropriate to actually fail a rep on, so actual failure, not being able to complete the rep. So like an RDL, for example, I would advise against actually failing a rep there. We're loading the spine um, and there's kind of different factors at play there. And another one might be something like a barbell back squat if you've never learned how to fail properly with that movement then we might want to avoid that because as a technique to failing, you might need a spotter and and all of those kind of things as well. But the key is that we're going for technical muscular failure, meaning that we're failing whilst trying to maintain our technique. It's not just trying to get through a rep from point A to point B with our form, you know, totally breaking down other muscle groups taking over. 
that's where the kind of injury risk might increase. So there we have a summary of how to judge if you're training close to muscular failure. And we know we need to be training close to that point, especially if you're not a complete newbie to the gym, we need to be pushing relatively close to muscular failure to build muscle and strength. As I keep saying, the ability to do that and to judge that is something that does come with time and experience. But there are things we can do, like looking at rep speed and also thinking about how many more reps we might have left in the tank and kind of judging that once we finish the set that will help us develop our understanding of intensity and help kind of keep progressing and pushing ourselves forwards with that part of the skill of lifting. Hopefully you found that useful and if it was, it'd be amazing if you could share it with a friend or maybe on your social media um, and leave a rating or a review. If you'd like more information on my one-to-one coaching services, you can visit the Grow With Jazz website and I'll leave that link in the show notes below. But for now, that's all from me and I'll speak to you all again next week.